morning and welcome. On behalf of the Roberts family, I'd like to thank you for, for coming this morning. Thank you for being a part of this celebration, this tapestry of a life. This morning we come together with mixed emotions. We are sad, we sorrow, but yet we can celebrate, we can have joy, knowing that Greg's Savior, whom he loved so much, had prepared a place for him. And we know that he was ready, and we know that he is now present with his Lord and Savior. Amen. So scripture would tell us it's a time to weep, it's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. So yes, we know that our brother Greg will be missed tremendously. But the fact this morning to know that he is with his Lord and his Savior, whom he loves so much, is very comforting to the family. On behalf of myself and my wife and family, I'd like to offer my sympathy to Sheila, Donnie, Heather, and the family. We know that those only that who've experienced it can actually understand what they're going through. But we would want you to know that our prayers are with you. We want you to know that we are here for you. And we know that, and you know that if you lean upon the, the Savior whom Greg loved, you would get much comfort. Amen. So we pray this morning that you will look to him for comfort at this time of sorrow. Just a few words to speak of our brother Greg. We know that he was a man of integrity. He was a man of his word. He was a man with great morals. He was a man who had great principles. We know that he was a go-to man for many of us including myself, we would call upon him many times. We called upon him for advice, legal and spiritual. We called upon him a lot of times just for his opinion because we knew he would give us honest and true opinion. And as we as we were thinking and talking, and I talked to Sheila a few occasions about the tapestry of life. And as we stop and think of what that actually does mean, and we think of how all of us are part of that tapestry. All of us here have crossed paths with Greg. All of us have had an opportunity to be with him, to communicate with him, and to to actually impact his life. No doubt, because of our time with him, because of the joy we've shared, the many ways that you've got to know Greg, 
it's helped to form a beautiful ta tapestry. Greg's tapestry is finished. It's complete. And we can here today testify that it was a beautiful, it is a beautiful tapestry. We can testify that his life was a beautiful testimony. A testimony to morals, a testimony to good standing, but a testimony to his Lord and Savior. I don't think there would be one here today to say that they did not know that Greg served a loving God. That you can say that you did not know that Greg's life was being directed by a higher power. And we could go without, we cannot go without saying this morning to say that many times I've st um, stood side by side with Greg on occasions like this at other funerals. Many times we've shared how it was a privilege to be able to tell of God's love to so many. And it would do injustice to him this morning if we would, not, if we would let this opportunity pass. So today, we will tell you of Greg's Savior. We will tell you of how he loved him so much and how, he how his Savior died for him on the cross of Calvary and how that because of his blood that was shed on Calvary's cross that we know that Greg is not with us today but present with his Lord and Savior. So as we continue now with the service, we know that as we think and as we meditate and as we think of Greg's life and how his tapestry was formed and how wonderfully it is completed. So this time I'd like to call upon our brother Doug to open our service in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord God, we come into thy presence there, Lord, with heavy hearts, be sorrow, with pain, with anguish, with bewilderment, and even questions why. But, O oh Lord God, we know that thou dost all things well. Dear Lord, we pray that we would cast all our cares upon you. We know you care it for us. We know, dear Lord God, that you are the God of all comfort. Comfort our hearts. And, oh, dear Lord, we pray especially for the family. Be near and dear to them. And may the thoughts of Jesus keep their hearts and minds in perfect peace. Dear Lord, we pray we would all trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, may we acknowledge you, and we know you will direct our path. So there, Lord, as we celebrate this moment, yes, we sorrow. But yeah, dear Lord, we joy to know that he is absent from the body and present with the Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you for thy son. We thank you for giving us life in order that we might have life everlasting. And oh, dear Lord, we anticipate that when we'll be in thy presence, praising you, no more tears, no more sorrow forever with the Lord. But as we continue, dear Lord, be near and dear. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for the leading of the, and the guiding of the Holy Spirit in all things said and all things done. May it be to the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. No doubt most of you have had a chance to read through some of the information in the booklet. And we know that Greg's church life was a great part of his life. He loved to worship. And we know that he this morning would speak of a great testimony for his service to God. So this time we'll call upon our brother Colin to bring a tribute on behalf of the Bible Truth Hall and his family. Sheila, Donnie, Heather, Greg, is uh, the reason we're here today. And I really am thankful that you gave me the opportunity to talk at this point because I want to say some things that uh, other people might want to say, but I want to say them in a different way. Greg didn't like tomatoes. He just didn't. It, it was a matter of principle. It wasn't just a matter of taste. And, and if you knew him for any length of time, it was something you couldn't help but find out. Because if you didn't find it out, he'd let you know directly. And Greg didn't just protest tomatoes in his food. He did something about it because he just wouldn't even touch them. At Bible Truth Hall, where Greg attended his whole life, one of the standard things served when we have congregational meals, all-day meetings, annual Bible conference, first family, first uh, Friday family nights, we have sour orange cabbage slaw. Greg loved it, but there could be no tomato in his. So whoever was in charge of the slaw knew to make up a separate bowl for Greg. He didn't even have to ask. And why do I tell this? Because I think it gives us in, insight on at least two levels, maybe three. One, everyone knew where Greg stood on the question of tomatoes. Two, he was loved enough that whenever there was slaw, a tomatoless bowl was made for Greg and put aside. And three, this was done willingly. Not because he protested, not because he yelled, not because he was unpleasant about, don't you know I, know I don't like tomatoes? And he probably never even mentioned it at all, actually. It was just there. And I think Greg's involvement with tomatoes tells us a whole lot about who he was. He approached everything the same way. If you knew Greg, you knew what he stood for. Not just about tomatoes, but about everything in life in general. He didn't poke you in the eye about it, he just showed you his way. Bible Truth Hall and the brothers and sisters there represent the very core of Greg's life. His family was steeped in the earliest roots of the Plymouth Brethren presence in the Bahamas, his grandpa, great-grandpa, beyond, on both sides, aunts, uncles, cousins. But Greg didn't just absorb by osmosis the principles that the Brethren adhered to, theologically or existentially. They came to be, by conviction, an integral part of who he was, not just because he grew up in the hall. He, of course, extend, attended our Sunday school as a boy, Sunday afternoons, 3.15 every day, every week. Uh, and every Sunday, Brother Eugene Hall presided over the 100-plus of us with a long stick, 
he used to keep time for the choruses. We didn't have instrumental accompaniment in those days, but that stick was scary too. It was a form of indirect discipline, if you will. But that discipline and the things of the Lord continued throughout his life. And he stayed faithful to regular attendance as he grew up, matured, and married. It was a part, the very basic part, of who he was. As late teens and young adults, Bible Truth Hall provided for kids like Greg and me a kind of framework for life that kept us out of trouble. There were always four assembly meetings a week, plus young people's the first Friday of the month, and all that positive involvement was crucial to keeping a young life on the straighter and narrower way. I don't say straight and narrow way because there were surely some side trips, though I don't really know any. And then I just told a fib because I have an example. 1967 Bible Truth Hall Conference in Palmetto Point. And some of you may know this story, some of you won't. I don't remember whose idea it was. I won't admit to it being mine, and he can't defend himself. But I know I never, ever saw the anger that I saw in some of the people that were there that day, especially my Uncle Cress Newbold. He was so annoyed or close to boiling mad because Greg and I went into the dining area. We switched the sugar for the salt and the salt for the sugar between the shakers and the bowls, and we painstakingly removed the staples from every bag of tea. We put the tea in the Nescafe jar, and we put the Nescafe in the tea bags. There were some very upset people. Greg carried me by just over a year, and despite that story, he was a major positive influence in my life. As we got older, among other ideas, he spearheaded a group of us to come together as a choir. Oscar Miller, Cheryl, Marsha, and Charlene Lowe, his sister Gaylene, B and Dari Hall, Greg, me. We did it all on our own. There were no older brethren involved. And I think it was really a great deal of Greg's guidance that kind of put it all together. I want to make it clear that he was among all those things, a convinced Plymouth brother. His presence at Bible Truth Hall throughout his life wasn't thoughtless or mere loyalty, though the latter was one of his key character traits. When I came home after college and before I moved away, and this is, of course, before Sheila, us two single guys were natural pals. Neither was inclined to party or drink too much, and since Greg was a social bird, we always tended to find something to do together especially after services, since even the tamest of young people have a constitutional resistance to early bedtime. Driving back and forth to Howard Johnson's, visits to Kathy and Barry's, long conversations at the table, discussions at Kirkley and Hazel's on Sunday night with whoever else might tag along or be hanging out, assembly gatherings at Janice and David Collins for lengthy questions and answer sessions with visiting brethren, with brownies included, um, breakfast, downtown work meetings, sessions at the English shop with Jack Pinder when things weren't slack there, or even if they were, weren't. Uh, Greg always hashed out his thoughts, and I too can relate, confirmed his commitment to the hall. He was well aware of what else is out there, but he never found any of it very satisfying. For years, Greg headed up the young people's program at the hall before he had kids and before in, er, uh, quite uh, in the early days after Sheila came on the scene. The, the fruit of that work continues in evidence here today. 
As Raymond, Patrick, and Denise Albrey and others here present can attest, there was a long generation gap at the hall where there was few of, there were few if any children in attendance except for at the Sunday school. But in the mid 80s, there was a sudden explosion of kids. Donnie, Heather, Jared, Brett, Sean, Neil and Brendan, Becky Collins, and a passel of others. And of course, wouldn't you know it, the convocation to relaunch a Bible Truth Hall Young People's Program was held around the table at Greg and Sheila's. At Bible Truth Hall, we depended, as did so many others in so many ways, in so many areas of his life, on Greg's clear-headed reasoning and compassion. He was always balanced, he was always loving, he was always clear, always principled, never simply emotionally reactive, though no one could say he wasn't emotional. We'll miss him, but we also know he leaves behind a spiritual legacy along with a physical one. We have young people who I'm convinced will take up the mantle based on Greg's example. He wasn't one to simply put himself forward, but he saw responsibilities and was willing to step up and fulfill them. And because of that legacy, I pray today that there are those here among us who too will work to pass that on going forward. It's not just because he was a nice guy, though he was, but I know of nobody who can refute that idea. Because of what he stood for, Greg will not be easily forgotten. Maybe even for a little while, folks will continue to set aside a little bowl of cabbage salad without tomatoes. I, for one, won't mind eating it in his honor. I don't like them much either. Jen and I and Neil and Brendan want to express our heartfelt condolences to you, but it's very hard to say just how much we too are going to miss him. But the one thought I want to leave with everyone here today is a thought that Greg repeated often. As ironic as it is, given what happened last Tuesday morning, you need to hear this today and hear it well. Life can change in an instant. Be ready. There, Greg, saying those words right now. Be ready. This time I'd like to call in Pastor Henry. He's the pastor to Calvary Bible Haitian Church and um, with the Godfrey's, Sheila's um, family, Sheila's father. I think he founded the Calvary Bible Haitian Church. And as he was many years, he ministered there at that church. And when he started to fail, his health started to fail, he handed over the mantle to Pastor Henry. So Pastor Henry would like to share some words with us. Good morning. It is a pleasure to, for me to be here this morning because we've been together working with this family for over the past 35 years. And I remember two years ago, me and Greg, we have to travel to Atlanta 
then to driving to Georgia to attend the funeral of one of the uh, one of member of the family who passed away. And uh, it was a good time for we talked together. And he always remind me, Henry, do you know life is so short? I said, yes, sir, I know that. He said, every day we have to make sure while we're going to travel to the funeral, for attend the funeral of the family, he said, we have to remember one day, me and you, we will go in. I said, yes, sir, I will ask that. But uh, the hope we have, uh, according to the Bibles, is Philippians 1, verse 21, where Paul said in, this, in that scripture for everyone, he said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. When you know and who you believe, no matter how you face, you're facing death, but we still have hope with Jesus Christ because he gives us eternal life. Eternal life means we have to pass through death because we come from the dust. We must, we must return from the dust where we come from. But in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 13, again, the hope we have in this verse, John said, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Bless how the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, the spirit that they may rest from their labor and their work follow them. <clears throat> My word is for this morning for everyone here. Make sure we die in the Lord of Jesus Christ. Remember, we could live in this life without Jesus Christ, but you can't die without Jesus Christ. Because one day we have to face him. We're going to give account what we've been doing on this life. Everything God, uh, great doing this life, that will follow him. Because he was, he was a great man. Anytime I go to his office, he always has something to tell you, to encourage you in this life. On the behalf of Calvation Baptist Church, on behalf of my family, we send our sympathy to Robert family and also to Godfrey family. Continue to depend on the Lord. Everyone will leave you, but God say, I'll always, I'm always to be with you. Chill out with your, with your children. Remember, God is still in your side. Greg only going before us, but one day. We have to meet him again. But the best thing we have to do, we must make preparation. Go with that words. You could live without Jesus Christ, but don't die without Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Henry. So at this time, I'd ask the congregation to join us in a hymn. And can it be? And relax, stand, all except the immediate family.
That's what we're talking about this morning, that amazing love that God would send his son to die for your sins. At this time, we'll call upon Jessica Russell and Jasmine Thompson who come to do a scripture reading for us. The glory of God. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. There was once a little boy who was riding alone on a train, and the scenery was not too interesting. A woman sitting behind him asked, Are you tired of the long ride? The boy smiled and said, I'm a little tired, but I don't mind it much. You see, my father is going to meet me on the other side. Sometimes we get tired of the burdens of life, but we know that Jesus Christ will meet us at the end of our life's journey. And that makes all the difference. Paul wrote, Therefore we do not lose heart, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Knowing we will be with Christ forever far outweighs our burdens today. Keep your eyes on eternity. From time to eternity, we give thanks to God because of the hope which is laid up for us in heaven. Once I stood in London to watch Queen Elizabeth return from her overseas trip. I saw the parade of dignitaries, the marching bands, the crack troops, the waving flags. I saw all the splendor that accompanies the homecoming of a queen. However, that was nothing compared to the homecoming of a true believer. At that moment of death, the believer enters heaven itself, carried upward by the angels to the glorious welcome awaiting the redeemed. Luke 16, verse, 30 to, verse 22. From our human viewpoint, death is always tinged with sadness. It is not wrong to mourn the loss of a loved one. Jesus wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus, but the Christian should never consider the death of a believer as a tragedy. Paul said we should not grieve like the rest of men. We have who have no hope. Yes, we have hope. The way to heaven may lie through the valley of the shadow of death, but the angels accompany us all the way, and beyond is heaven, our glorious home. Although it's difficult today to see beyond the sorrow, may looking back in memory help comfort you tomorrow. Thank you, Jessica, Jasmine. The tapestry needs many threads of many colors, many shades. Looking at them on their own, they may not mean much. But after the master has taken those threads, and put them together, we have a beautiful piece of art. Amen. This morning, we want to have a few tributes, a few threads 
to speak of Greg's tapestry. We know that he, as I said at the very beginning, he's impacted us in many different ways. So at this time, we'd like to call on a number of individuals to come forth and ask you to please try to flow as quickly as you can, one after the other. I will not pause, I will not come in between, just continue on with the tributes. So I'd like to start now with the tributes, threads of the tapestry. Good morning. Um, I'm Lisa Berg. This is my brother, Brian Gackigan. We are Greg's uh, niece and nephew through his sister, Gaylene. There's a precious song that we grew up singing that starts, Jesus wants me for a sunbeam to shine for him each day. In every way, try to please him at home, at school, at play. It's hard for us to imagine a person who more exemplifies that statement than Uncle Greg. We can remember singing that song with him as a child many Sundays while we stayed with Granny and Papa over the magical summers um, that we were blessed to spend here in Nassau. We would run between the houses um, as much at home here as we were the rest of the year in Pennsylvania. Those trips represented a huge part of our lives, growing, laughing, and learning. And through it all, we were blessed with the sunshine that was Greg. When Aunt Sheila asked us um, to participate in this tapestry of life, we were humbled beyond words. How do you express what, was Uncle, what, what Uncle Greg meant to us in three minutes? So here is the super abbreviated version. Uncle Greg was first and foremost our honorary second father. He was a firm hand, a tight hug, a gentle voice, and always a hearty laugh. He was a mentor guiding us through the tough developmental years tougher for one of us. Um, no matter how stupid or emotional the decision or action, Uncle Greg always had a kind word and a Bible verse to share. He was never more than a phone call away for us. He listened quietly, thought deeply, and always shared a heartfelt, gentle wisdom. He was love, he was laughter, he was our safe place to shelter. We lost count over the years how many times we've emailed or called him. We wanted to be like him. When we as Christians talk about wanting to let our light shine, allow God's love to flow through us, Greg was and always will be the first example that comes to our minds. We were only a minuscule part of Uncle Greg's life, but he touched our hearts. He challenged us to be bigger vessels for God. Uncle Greg lived a life of service, of abundant generosity, and a tight moral line of godliness. He was a walking, talking example of who we want to be. We loved him very much, and we strive every day to make him proud. We want to teach our children to be more like him. We loved him so very much, and um, we strive to live our lives like warriors of Christ, stumbling, but getting up and fighting the good fight. Uncle Greg, we know that you are celebrating in glory now. Rest easy. 
but we want you to know that we are striving every day to be sunbeams for God too. Our hearts and our eyes are fixed on Christ and we are serving like you taught us. All my life I've been told I look like Uncle Greg and uh, that's always been a tremendous source of pride because I thought he was an extremely handsome man. <laughs> but, but the older I get, the more I realize that I want to be like Uncle Greg in other ways. I want to be a better brother. I want to be a better husband, a better father, and someday, hopefully not too soon, a better grandfather like he was, but most importantly, a Christian man. Thank you. Amen. Morning. I'm Rachel Roberts. Um, I'm going to be reading the memories of my father, Michael Roberts, um, Greg's older brother. Although he was younger than me, I depended on Greg for a lot of things. He was always there when I needed him. When we were kids, we played cowboys and Indians. Um, he helped me make a Western movie. He was the star of, of that film. Um, and I was the one who could drive the car, but Greg was usually the one who had the ideas about what we could do. Once I even paid his way to go to Canada with me, um, and it was a good thing I did, because Greg rescued me from a very uncomfortable situation, but we won't go any further into that. Um, and then we continued there and had a lot of fun for the rest of our stay. Um, but when we moved to the States, um, when I moved to the States, Greg helped me with helped me to get everything in order for the move. Um, and after that, whenever we returned for a visit, Greg always saw that we had exactly what we needed to enjoy our stay. Uh, when I had my stroke, Greg called frequently for updates um, and passed along information. Um, when mom and dad passed away, Greg was the one to take charge, even though I was older. When I had a problem, when I had a question, anything at all, I would run it by Greg and he would give good sound advice as to what to do about it. Or he would just take care of it without even saying very much at all. When, any, when anyone I knew here passed away, he would send me their obituary. And when my wife Alice and I uh, visited the Bahamas, we enjoyed going to breakfast with Greg and all the others. Just uh, our, My life was full of great times that I had with him. Also, there was never a dull moment when Greg was around. He was always the life of the party. When I received the news last week, I was very shocked. Greg would never quit, so I guess God decided the only way to slow him down and give him some rest was to take him home. Now Greg can really enjoy the party. He's stress-free at last. Good morning. My name is Brent Roberts, and uh, my mother Eldweth is or uh, was Greg's uh, first cousin. I think that makes me like a first cousin once removed or something like that. But uh, I want to just take a few moments to share a few things on behalf of my parents, Benny and Eldweth, and my brother Darren, and and our families. From a very early age, uh, Greg and my mother developed a very close and special relationship. Greg, as a child, used to uh, spend a lot of time at, uh, at my mother's house when his mother was at work or off in the States at doctor's appointments and things like that. So they, they grew to be very close. And um, 
He became like a brother to her. In fact, I could tell when, when she called, I got the call about uh, Greg passing away that um, she was very upset and she said that, that he was like a brother to her and he was, she was gonna miss him very much. And as the years rolled on, then he became a best friend to her. They would often talk on the phone, even after she moved away to Marsh Harbor, they would talk sometimes even a couple of times a week, just sharing and, um, and talking through things. In fact, they had just spoken minutes before he had passed away on the phone, which uh, you know, made it a little bit more shocking for her. But Greg also was a very important and special um, figure in the lives of Darren and I. We can remember as very young boys, he would often take us after services at uh, Bible Truth Hall, take us to uh, his grandmother's shop on Dowsville Street, and we'd make cheese and crackers, off, cutting cheese off of these big blocks of, uh, of cheese, and sometimes we'd get candy. I remember going on a long road trip with him, and uh, all through Pennsylvania and um, out to Baltimore, uh, with him and his family, it was, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. He was always full of um, laughter and had a great sense of humor. Um, you always felt encouraged by being around him. We also remember him as our Sunday school teacher. I mean, he had a very important role in, in Darren and I's spiritual development as a Sunday school teacher for many years, and then also after that as a young, um, as, a, as a youth group leader. We have very fond memories of uh, Bible Truth Hall playing volleyball on Friday nights, sometimes doing scavenger hunts, running all over town to family and friends' houses, trying to, uh, to, to find the things in the scavenger hunt. Um, by the time I graduated from college, um, my brother had moved to Marsh Harbor, but I returned to the Bahamas with, uh, with my new wife, and um, I distinctly remember how much Greg and Sheila made my wife Jill feels so, so welcome here. Um, it was a very, we were only here for a year after we were married, but it was a very uh, important year and, and we um, enjoyed spending time with Greg and the family and uh, Friday nights and family nights at Bible Truth Hall. The thing with Greg is that those who know him know that he is just so genuinely interested in you as a person and, and very friendly. He had many friends, as we can see here. He was loved and respected by so many people. Reminds me of the verse in Proverbs that a man who, is, who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I think we can all say that of, of Greg. He really showed his Christian character. But that special relationship that he had with my mom extended to the rest of the family. And uh, as Donnie and Heather were born, and they would uh, often spend hours days over at, on Eldwes House, playing in the yard and, and, and swimming in the canal. And, and I was there for, for some of that when I would return home from college. But life takes us in different directions and I moved back to the States. Darren's in Marsh Harbor, mom and dad are in Marsh Harbor. Um, but life takes you to different directions. You don't see each other as often, but you never forget. Really, you never forget the memories. The, those moments that have a positive influence in your life and those people that have a positive influence in your life. And, and, and spiritually, he certainly did um, in Sunday school and, and all of the talks and, and Bible studies and things like that we had on Friday nights. He will truly be missed. And uh, we'll continue to pray, Sheila, for you, Donnie, Heather, and all the family. 
When I spoke with Sheila last week when she called, uh, she, um, she mentioned a verse, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But we know that it is not just this life that we have hope in Christ. We will see Greg again in heaven. Thank you. Amen. Good morning. Um, just as I sat here this morning looking through this booklet, I saw something that really struck me, and I was so happy to see it because it was something that reminded me of the days when I went down to Bible Truth Hall with my grandparents and my mom. And it was to see a song that's going to be our closing song, which is Because He Lives. And it was something that just, it just reminded me of those days of being a kid and being down there. It, it, I can't explain how it made me feel to see that. And the other thing was, is as I looked through this booklet, I saw a picture of Greg with Heather when she was being married. And I thought, wow. I hope I can see that same day with my daughter and to see the look that was on Greg's face. It was, it was touching to me and it just really made me think about life and, and where we're at. I've been deeply touched by the family to have been asked to say a few words about Greg and the relationship we had. Funny that I can remember only being a little guy, three or four, and going to Papa Gigi's store or Garland's corner food store on Dalzo Street. And I was glad to see that Brent wasn't the only one who had a cheesy story as well. <laughs> I have one as well. We'd often go there. We didn't get candies. We got the fruit punch sodas in the long bottles. Sure, only the older people here would remember those things. But that's not what really stuck out in my mind. It was that they had, a, they had big blocks of cheese there, and Greg showed me how they would slice them up, wrap them in cling film, and they had this fascinating machine that would shrink it all down. I was fascinated by it. And every time after that that we went to the store, I wanted to go and play with this cling film machine, see how much of it I could wrap around my hand. Growing up, we often visited each other's homes Christmas was always brought our families together for long afternoons at Aunt Teenie and Uncle Donnie's house. Those were wonderful times that we shared together, and I will always remember those. Greg, being more my mom's age, made me always consider him as my elder. It's funny how that all seems to change as we get older. It was almost to me like he stopped in time and I began to catch him up. This was especially true in the last few years, as I had a daughter, Greg had grandchildren, but that seemed to bring us closer together. It really seemed to me to be the turning point that we had a lot more in common and that age gap no longer was so large between us. My family and I, and Jessica especially, will miss those Saturday morning meetings for breakfast. <laughs> we always look forward to the good laughs and lots of teasing usually towards me about having to deal with my daughter growing up, or it would be Georgia and Greg having laughs over U.S. and Bahamian politics. They always jabbed at each other constantly. I am so happy that we were able to have spent 
the Saturday before his passing together. We really had some laughs that morning. As the elders in our family, one by one, Auntini, Uncle Donnie, Peter, my grandfather, and Agnes, my grandmother, passed on to see the Lord, we all stepped up one rung on the ladder of our lives. Greg and my mom's generation became the grandparents, and my generation stepped into the parent roles. This, continue, this continuation of our lives and our family had never been so apparent to me as when th these things took place. Greg will be greatly missed by all of us. Jessica will be lost more than I can imagine. To his wife and children, there are no words that can comfort you in this moment, but you can be at peace that Greg is in heaven with his Lord and Savior and will be at home with his parents and all those other family members that have gone on before us. Almost every Saturday, we had a laugh with Greg that he had to go to work or at least have been to work. Greg was a young man and taken far too long. Try not to get caught up in the traps of day-to-day -day living. Cherish your family and every moment that you can spend with them. There is no greater gift in life than to be loved, than to love and to be loved by your family. Sheila and Heather, thank you so much for this tie. I've gotten more compliments on this tie this morning than I get on any of my own ties. So obviously Uncle Greg had a lot better uh, taste than I do. I also have to acknowledge the presence of our former prime minister and former deputy prime minister to tell you this story. If I ever wanted to get Uncle Greg agitated, all I had to do was walk in his office and do like that. <laughs> And he would jump up from his desk and sit me down and give me a long lecture. <laughs> so how do you begin to speak about someone that has known you for a lifetime, longer than you have known yourself? My father was a childhood friend of Uncle Greg. My grandparents were lifelong friends of Uncle Donald and Antini. My father worked with Uncle Donald at the city lumber yard up until Uncle Donald's passing in 2008. These friendships led to an unbreakable bond between the two families. As my father would often say, Uncle Greg came from good stock. Time does not allow me to share the numerous childhood memories of spending time with Uncle Greg at my grandmother's house. However, the one thing that stands out in my mind was our long-standing joke that Antini ruled Uncle Donald and Sheila ruled Greg. Somehow, in 1991, Uncle Greg saw fit to declare me president of our so-called WIMS Club and decided to share it with the daily readers of the Tribune. Perhaps the wives being in charge was more of a reality than a joke. While in loving memory I will accept this position today, I only do so on the fact that Uncle Greg trained me so well. All of the good times still allowed me and others of the family to see the kind and caring man that Greg was, very calm and relaxed, until, of course, Sheila instructed him to do something. Then he became a man with only one mission. Now you understand the Wimps Club. This personal bond would last right up until Uncle Greg passed away. Him and I have worked together for over 15 years on professional and personal matters. We never had a disagreement. Cross words were never spoken. And when we agreed on something, our word was our bond. We could write it down later, but there was a level of trust that never had to be questioned. While no death is easy, 
Some we are able to accept and understand. Others affect us right to our very core. With Uncle Greg, this is the case. If he had any fault in my eyes, he was often kind at a great expense to himself, and he would sometimes procrastinate just a little too much. I would often call him on the phone and say, man, let's get this thing done, to which he would reply, ah, oh, my boy, I'm working on it. Many times, he ended up being right by taking his time to ensure that things were completed with great care and attention. And I have to admit today that over the, over the years, his kind attention to detail has kept us out of a lot of trouble. I will certainly never forget this past summer when our daughter was very ill. He continually called to check on both our daughter Savannah and Rachel and I. Beyond the fun and humor, Uncle Greg's faith in God, his love for his family, and his honesty will always stand out at the forefront of my mind. He was never one to judge, only to encourage. But the level of trust that you could place in this man was unbelievable. To quote Mr. George Hasty from today's paper, who will follow in his train now that he is gone? Sheila, Donnie, Heather, and family, our hearts ache with you. But please leave today knowing that Uncle Greg has left a tremendous mark on so many people. This packed sanctuary is a testament to that fact. Based on my lifelong observations, I am honored to have had the opportunity to briefly speak to the unquestionable, unquestionable character of this great man. So how do I sum this all up for Uncle Greg? To borrow the words of the late President Ronald Reagan, I leave you with this. The warmth of his words, the expression of his friendship, and yes, the love he showed meant more to us than you can ever know. Thank you. Good morning to you all. Whatever I say to you today is but a shadow of Gregory Donald Roberts. Listening to all of us, we're going to talk to you about the same Christian principles, deep, unwavering faith, tremendous love of family. He was unassuming, kind, humble, loyal, and had a mountain legal expertise. Not to mention a grasp of politics that would make the political commentary from CNN, Fox News, and the BBC sound like novices. I loved his view of politics. It was basically the talent of using an opening sentence and then you were allowed to complete it. So Greg would say, and what do you think they're gonna do about crime? And I would reply, not enough. And he would say, you're right. And we both knew we were on the same side of any topic. I went to work at Greg's firm, Pfeiffer and Roberts in 1978. I say, Greg's firm, because it was his firm. Noel Roberts and Jerry Pyfram were the lawyers, but both knew that Greg could do the heavy lifting. They left all kinds of matters from legal to mundane to his capable and vigilant care. I told him when I joined that I went to law school in England and I knew no Bahamian law. He looked me in the face and he said, you're right. I learned so much from Greg during that five-year tutelage, including the importance of breakfast sandwiches from Jimmy's. Luckily, cholesterol had not been discovered. And we only knew how vastly satisfying was the combination of grilled cheese and bacon as the first meal of the day. 
When I left Pfeifferman Roberts to be the in-house attorney at Bacardi, one member of the judiciary told me that I was committing professional suicide. Greg worried more about my soul, not my legal career. I told him I didn't see a liquor company. I saw a client with a variety of interesting problems, and he said, you're right. During my stay with Bacardi, Greg never lost touch. I was invited to his daughter's wedding, and when I went to my firm full-time, Greg sent me Heather to work with me. When I told him that Heather was a blessing, he told me, you're right. <laughs> when Donnie had a minor fender bender, he asked me to be with Donnie through magistrate's court hearing. I told him, of course I would, because he would help me if it was one of my kids, and he said, you're right. Now comes the confession. For the last 37 years, Greg and I had the longest standing lunch date in the Guinness Book of World Records. In the last 37 years, we had three lunches together. Instead of saying, speak to you next week, we would say, we'll call you next week about lunch. Ultimately, it did happen that the same week we both said we could not meet for lunch, my daughter and I went to Double Dragon for lunch. And who was sitting there? Greg, on his own, having lunch and reading the newspaper. For some reason, during my tirade about his being a wretch and a rogue for dumping me for a quiet lunch, he reached into his wallet, calmly pulled out a dollar, handed it to my daughter, and said, I'm retaining your services to defend me against Jamal. <laughs> I told you, he had a mountain of legal expertise. When Donna Davis called me last week, I said to her, if there was any man prepared to meet his maker, it was Greg. His bags had been packed, and he was only waiting for the call. She is right. She said to me, we are the selfish ones grieving over the loss of his presence. She's right. I have learned that some people are irreplaceable, and their impact on one's life will be a lasting imprint that goes beyond memory and into one's soul. As a Greek, I can only tell you that we take solace in the fact that the memory of Greg will live on through all of us that had the privilege to share some portion of our lives with Gregory Donald Roberts. May his memory be eternal. Good morning, church. I'm the last on the list, John Sawyer, and <clears throat> it's a bit of a challenge to do this, but there was no way I was not going to do it. I was absolutely touched when Sheila asked me to say a few words regarding my relationship with Greg. My relationship with Greg <clears throat> covered over 20 years. It started off primarily to do with law and business. It grew into much, much more. We had so many conversations 
that started with business, and as somebody referenced earlier, I think Mr. Pinder did, it might go other ways, and it might not. <clears throat> but I will say this, Greg was ever the joyous one in the conversation, even when he was not having a smooth day. Indeed, there were instances when he and I felt it a sensible thing to assure each other that the expression that he used into the Valley of Death Road to 600 did not include us. Greg regularly, dependably, unfailingly ended his conversations with, peace be with you, but he pronounced it in the Latin Pax Vobiscum, after which he would always add, and no epoxy upon you. Greg, in his wisdom, knowing yours truly as well as he did, included this particular comment, no epoxy, to make certain that yours truly understood the marked difference between an utterance of goodwill and a hardware product. On the many occasions that we spoke but for a brief period, Greg would close with a different farewell. The same farewell being a chipper cheerio, I grew to know that so well. If several days passed with no contact between us, <coughs> including weekends, one of us would locate the other to make certain whether or not all was in order. In times past, Greg shared with me and testified that his personal savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was without doubt his guiding light and the absolute foundation upon which his faith had been built. The same faith that ceaselessly strengthened his resolve while guiding his judgment, especially in times of doubt, strife, discord, negativity, and any other manner of secular assault. Greg never once spoke poorly of everyone, of anyone, excuse me. Greg was the personification of a Christian soldier. Greg was a human being with a beautiful soul. Knowing Greg was both a blessing and a privilege. He shall be sorely, sorely missed. The Sheila, Donnie, Heather, the family, keep the memories, honor him, and take comfort if you can in the fact that the heavenly host has been increased by a number of one. Thank you. Pause at this time, the tapestries, as we have a item, I think we'd say maybe from Sheila to Greg with love. It's going to be a musical selection along with a, a slideshow. So call this time upon Fallon to come. We, the background music for the slideshow. And as we've heard some of the threads of the tapestry this, after, this morning, I guess afternoon, we 
I've seen the different threads of leadership spoke about, love, family, detail, encouragement, faith, kindness. And as we tend to put all these together, we then will be talking about Greg, the tapestry of Greg. So this time I'd like you to just view the slideshow as we give a tribute to Greg.
a month ago, Greg was a great part of a joyous celebration, the wedding of my son. Greg took great joy and pride in participating, and actually this photo on the front cover was taken at the wedding, he was master of ceremonies at the wedding. But it speaks so true of who Greg was, and the joy that he shared. So fittingly, I think as we think of the joys of Greg's life, and no doubt as we just saw the slideshow would show with one of the greatest joys of his life when he married his true love, and then having two children, and then to actually experience and to see the love that he had for his grandchildren. It's a true testimony of family, and Greg was a great lover of family. He enjoyed keeping family together to make sure that it stayed together as a unit. I think Greg took great steps in keeping family together reaching out to all threads of the family. So yes, again, we mix joy with sorrow. But let's continue now with the threads of the tapestry. And once again, I'd like you just to continue on as the list is in the program. Scott Ward. Good morning, everybody. My name is Scott Ward, and Greg was my friend, my colleague, and my partner, Roberts, Isaacson, Ward, and um, I was honored by Sheila to ask to say a few words about his, my, my experience with, his, uh, with our professional life over the last 17 years. I first uh, met Greg in, in 1998 when I joined the firm. I was, at that time, I joined Noel Roberts, my father-in-law, and the firm, as the, was then Roberts, Isaacs, and Co. Um, it became obvious fairly, uh, Noel Roberts introduced Greg to me initially as the office manager, but it became rapidly clear to me that he was so much more than that. In fact, within the first week, it became clear to me that Greg was, um, not only was he office manager, he was accountant, banker, fantastic counselor, and but for the certificate on the wall, he was really a lawyer. And uh, over the years, um, I sought great counsel and advice from Greg, learned a great deal from him, um, both in matters, uh, conveyancing matters, but also as a litigation partner in the firm, I often came across tricky questions of, of common sense. And uh, whereas I would go to the law, Greg would often guide me in commonsensical matters to find a solution. Greg um, 
I always found Greg the sort of guy who, it was patently obvious the extent to which people um, sought his opinion because it was rare that one could actually get into his office because of the number of telephone calls he had in any given day. Just about every day he would be literally on the phone from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. at night. However, given the generosity of his spirit, from, of which you have all heard this morning, um, if I ever needed to discuss anything with him, or indeed any member of staff, his door was always open. And um, this was the nature of the man. He, he really was incredibly generous, kind, and guided clearly by very strong Christian principle. Um, Greg will be very, very sorely missed by the firm. We are, abs we, we are still reeling in shock from last Tuesday, um, and it'll take some time for us to, to recover. But uh, undoubtedly we will, because his spirit will live on uh, through us, and, um, and he has taught us a great deal. Um, Sheila and family, on behalf of uh, the family at Roberts, Isaac, and, and Ward, like to express my sincere condolences. Thank you. Amen. Good morning. My name is Charles Kemp. Um, I was pleased by and humbled a bit by Sheila to, to say a few words about my dear brother. Um, and I look to him as that. I had a lot of things running in my mind, what I would say, how I would uh, project Greg, but I think before me basically is what everybody has said. Um, he was a few years older than I, and whenever we, I needed advice or I needed some direction or I needed to make a decision that I wasn't quite sure of, I went to Greg. I mean, he was always there, always available, maybe as, as has been said, to somewhat of a detriment. He, 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 he wanted to help everybody. And, and it was funny in looking back at the picture, Gundaj, I, 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 the thing that came to mind was he and I shared the same thing. We were blind, basically. And, and looking at the pictures, I know if I go back, go, go through the picture albums that I have, and my wife will make fun of it. it. My glasses have changed, and I looked at the one picture with Donnie and Heather kissing the side of his face, and he had those big, round glasses. Well, I had them too. You know, those were fashion back in them days. So we moved with the times. And, and in looking back at that, what I would be remiss in saying to everyone here today, is that Greg's greatest desire, I'm sure would be, is that he see each and every one of you in glory. Amen. That would be his greatest desire. If you, if you get nothing else from it this morning, I loved him as a brother. He was a brother in the assembly, and I loved him as an older brother. We were cousins. Darren and Brent and all of us grew up. We remember the days at Bible Truth Hall, the youth groups, the Sunday schools, he was there. He was, he was that somewhat father figure that we all looked up to. But his greatest desire this morning, I'm sure would be 
is that each and every one of you here today would know his Savior as your Savior. So that there can be that reunion. And I, and I thought of that. When he, got, when he entered those pearly gates, he saw his mother, his father, his grandparents, and all those who have passed before. And I always, the one thing I remember, just to show the kind of man he was, 15 years ago, he was in Abaco to a funeral of his uncle. The Saturday before Christmas, Christmas Day he flew home and he came to my house because my wife's father had passed away that morning. That's the kind of man he was. He would give up himself to his detriment to give to others. So this morning, my only plea to you would be that if you would want to see Greg, you must come to the Savior while you have time. Because none of us have a guarantee of seeing this afternoon or tomorrow or tonight or getting out of this place this morning. Greg was going to breakfast. His dear cousins were calling him and rowing him because he was making them late. They thought he had skipped out on them. That's how quickly time passes. That's why the song says, be in time. While the voice of Jesus calls you, be in time. Tomorrow may be too late. Good afternoon, everyone. The way I remember Greg, I think more than anything else, was about four or five years ago, sitting in the office of Robert Isaacson Ward. It came to me, and you know, I'm quite open speaking person. I said to Mr. Isaacs, who was at that time um, Greg's partner, meaning Stanley Oswell Isaacs, I said to him, I said, Mr. Isaacs, if something were to happen to you today, how would I make it? And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, I've just built a relationship with you and it's so difficult getting to know someone else. Mr. Isaacs looked at me and said, you know, I don't know anyone else that I can say but Greg. I said, Greg? He said, you know, Greg is one of the most honest, respectable persons that I can say hand over to you. So me, you know, being the person that I am, I said, okay, thanks. And as time went by, Mr. Isaac's health started to decline. And once again, he brought the subject up. He said, Gina, I don't want to tell you what to do. I don't want to tell you who to go to. But I think you need to make a decision as to who you need to go to as a lawyer. I said, really? He said, yeah, I don't want to tell you what to do. But you know, I think Greg would be the ideal person you won't find anyone more trustworthy, honest, or hardworking. Well, as the years passed, Mr. Isaac's health declined, and we began to wind down on business. Once again, Mr. Isaac's began to talk about Greg and his good habits. As I stand here today, it hurts my heart just knowing how difficult it will be for me when I go to Robert Isaac's and Ward again. I will for ne never forget the days when Greg and I laughed and we cried and we prayed for persons. And then we would end up just laughing at how we cried for persons that we prayed over. 
I would share about Kingsway Academy, the kids, the students, the stories, and everything would always end with Sheila, the kids, the grandkids, and of course, the in-laws. Orlando was the biggest subject for us, though. We always had a laugh. Greg loved Orlando, and I went there quite frequently. So we would always be in, who is the next one going? Well, the reason Greg loved Orlando so much was because of the family memories. He enjoyed the family memories that Orlando lasted for him. As I close today, I remember a quote that my daughter did when she said something last week in a speech that she did. It says, today we are writing a story that will be told tomorrow in the life that we live. Sheila, the family, and all of you friends here today, Greg's life story will always be told. It will be that he was the husband, father, grandfather, co-worker, boss, and friend who loved the Lord as his savior. And the life that he lived will not be and was not in vain. He has paved the way for many to follow. And Greg, as you look down on all of us today, we say thank you for the many memories that you have left with us. We will truly miss you. And we all hurt, but we all believe and know that heaven was missing an angel, and Jesus wanted that angel home with him. Thank you. I want to thank those that have gone before me here today that you've left me a couple of scraps. But I also want to acknowledge that a lot of what I'm going to say this morning has already been said. And it's been said differently. It's been said beautifully. And I thank God for that. Amen. Aside from immediate family, most of you probably knew him as Greg. Brother Greg. Maybe some of you knew him as Mr. Roberts. But there was a gang of us who knew him as Greggy. We were the kids of Bible Truth Hall of the 1970s and early 80s who looked up to Greg as that person who was just old enough to clearly be considered a young adult. The one thing that always comes to my mind, as some of those before me have said, is that I was blessed, truly blessed, to have had him as my Sunday school teacher, as a teenager. Greggy was family. A relative of new me all my life. And whenever he would meet a new acquaintance of mine, he would relish in telling the story of being taken to visit my mother and to see me for the first time after being born and how he would forever associate that with Hot dogs. <laughs> you see, what he remembered most about the first time he saw me was that my mom made him a hot dog that day. I loved him. But Greg will also forever be linked in my mind as the first person I would know as a youth group leader. Under his guidance, we met at the hall every Friday night, as you've heard before, for youth group, a time of fun, devotions, prayer, sodas, and snacks. He was what often today is called a, a youth director. 
or a mentor. He was faithful at it. Greggy was also a friend of the family. As an older teenager, I too had to appear in traffic court. There was Greggy, willing to spend time with me down at the courts to keep me calm. Then when my wife, Carrie, and I purchased a business a few years ago, we relied on Greg to make sure all the legal work was done with care. Carrie can tell you. I was so happy and felt God's providence and favor in the purchase of the business because one of the blessings that came with it since Sheila worked there was that it gave us a chance to spend more time with Greg and Sheila. Almost immediately, we made it a habit to meet monthly for lunch where we would discuss family, business, politics, and faith. Things Greg and I hardly ever disagreed on. Greg was there for our family through illnesses and death. Like my mom's passing almost 40 years ago. And most recently, our Aunt Burl's funeral in Abaco earlier this year, which he preached. I know I can speak for my dad and Rena, along with my siblings and our spouses and children, that we all share a common love and appreciation for the impact that Greg had on our lives. When asked to be a part of this tapestry of life in honor of Greg, I could not help but think how our Heavenly Father carefully knits the fabrics of our lives together. It is according to His sovereign will that He stitches in place people, relationships, circumstances, and events. And I can tell you Greg was one of those primary stitches used by God that would ultimately lead me to Christ. When I visited with them last Tuesday night, Sheila, Heather, and I remembered how Greg always preached, we can be here one moment and in eternity the next. And how we knew that he had already dealt with that eventuality many years ago and was himself prepared. And that even this time of sorrow, we can take great joy in knowing that in an instant, Greg's faith became his eyes because he is looking on his dear Savior's face right now. To this day, even earlier today, when I'm describing him to anyone who isn't family, I almost always refer to him as he was my Sunday school teacher. Sure, he was family, he was a friend. 
And yes, at some point, I stopped calling him Greggy all the time. But in my heart and mind, I never did stop. I love Greggy. And our kinship, our kinship will be forever. Amen. Amen. Good afternoon to all. You have to bear with me, it's a little difficult for me. But I have to say that when we think about Gregory Dono, the one thing that I can use to describe him was one of a kind. Greg was unique. And this has come even more alive to me over the last week or so because Greg has left me in a dilemma. Because some time ago I started to put together my funeral program. And I already told my wife, I don't want anybody getting up pretending to know me. There's only one person who can speak on my behalf, and that was Greg. When we spoke, there was nothing off limits. Greg was confidant, counselor, but most of all, we held each other spiritually accountable. Through the years, and I've known Greg about 40 years, we've had our struggles individually, spiritually, and we held each other as best possible on the straight and narrow. We were able to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. One of the things that I've marveled at, though, all the years that I've known Greg, I've never seen him get angry. I've seen him get upset. I've seen things happen to him. And I can tell you, working around the law firm, there's so many things that can happen to make your blood boil. And Greg would comment sometimes when I'd sit down with him, and he'd be speaking about how somebody said something or did something to upset him. But he refused to fly into a fit of rage. Sometimes I had to get angry for him. Sheila, I know your ears were burning a lot of times. Over the years, many times when I went to sit with Greg, Greg was complaining about you. Sheila went and made reservations for us. She booked the cruise. And he was trying to figure out how he could go home to tell Sheila that it was a bad time for him. But Sheila had to say that God sent you to be what you needed to be, to protect Greg from himself. Because I believe if it were not for you and your plans, Greg would work every single day. There are times when he would confess that he was supposed to go for his medical treatment. And he felt guilty because it was a bad time for the firm. And he wanted to make sure everything was in place. And I'm positive that he missed some of his appointments because that was the type of person that Greg was. He lived his life self-sacrificially. <clears throat> and I believe there's so many here who's sitting wondering how they're going to make it without 
Gregory Donald, as I used to call him. But I have to tell you that Greg was an original. There's nobody who can fill those shoes. There's nobody who can step up and do the things that Greg did. Greg was a trustworthy individual. He was committed. If Greg gave his word on something, you could consider it done. Greg was never going to go back on his word. And he, to his own detriment, he was going to make sure that he met his commitment. But you cannot speak about Greg without speaking about his kindness. There are so many people who beat their ways to Greg's door when they were in need. And just like I never saw him get angry, I've never seen Greg tell anybody no. Greg would give and give and give. However, of all the things that I have to say about Greg, at this time, here today, the only thing that matters is to say that Greg is a Christian. <clears throat> you could not interact with Greg Roberts without quickly realizing that there was something different about him. Greg is not like so many who put on this Sunday Christianity and leave it in church from Monday through Saturday. Greg's life was a living sermon. Greg walked the walk just like he talked the talk. But to be true to my best friend, my brother, I know that he would never forgive me if I spoke on his behalf without quoting scripture. And that was a battle for me because I found so many passages of scripture and I said, that's Greg, that's Greg, no, that's Greg. But I finally settled on passage from Timothy. <clears throat> for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only for me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Greg's life was indeed a ministry. It was a drink offering that has been poured into so many lives. Greg filled them in the time of need. Greg showed Christ's love to so many. I believe my brother fought a good fight. I believe that he kept the faith. Now that he's finished the race, I believe that he has indeed been awarded his prize. Sheila, Heather, Donnie, he spoke of you often. 
But as we grieve with you, let's thank God for blessing our lives with the cup fellow, Gregory Donald Roberts. I know that my life and so many other lives are so much richer because of him. To God be the glory. So as we've seen the threads come together, we see a beautiful person. And on behalf of Sheila and the family, I'd like to thank those who've participated in the threads of tapestry for Greg. I'd have to share one moment as we go into the next item. It makes me think of a time as Colin spoke of when our church was in transition from a bunch of young people. Then we had a time when there wasn't much. And we were together one time, putting together a Sunday school program. And we were short, a lot of kids. We didn't have many kids then, and we were up into the older. And trying to get enough selections. So Greg and I were sitting together, and he says, well, we could sing a duet. So I said, okay, let's go. And I think he got a little shocked that I uh, took him up on it. And I think we did actually practice once. <laughs> but I'm not going to sing a solo today. So Greg was one who was fond of good music. He loved his Christian music. He loved instrumental. He loved to listen at songs that spoke of God and his love. And, and he, I think he also was enjoyed any time when the Thompson brothers would sing. And I think it's fit in this time that we can call them to sing a song for us, a quartet, day by day, followed afterwards, our brother Aaron will bring the message to us. Thank you. 
What a wonderful life. God has loaned to us. I'll just ask all of you, just for a moment, bow your head in silence. Just thank God for the life of my friend my brother Greg that he's blessed us with. I want to turn to John's Gospel chapter 11. I want to read two voices. Then Mary said unto Jesus, Lord, if you have been here, our brother would not have died. I also want to go to voice 32. Then Mary, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. I want just for a few brief moments. I want us to think about just two words. Lord, if. Lord, if. One of the words is one that heals. The other is a word that asks questions, or the other is a word that hurts. I want us first to look at the last one, the word that hurts. All of us for the past several days has been asking in our hearts, or we've been asking the question, Lord, if. If I were to just took time out to 
talk to Brother Greg. If I would have spent one moment with him, if as he sat on the bed, I would have just said, Greg, what's the matter? Last Sunday, the, before Brother Greg died, Greg was counting the Sunday school collection. And Greg said to, said to me, said, Brother Aaron, I want to talk to you. Somehow, I got distracted. I didn't get a chance to, I could see that there was a problem that Brother Greg had. But I didn't get a chance to talk to Brother Greg during Sunday school. When he came in for the gospel meeting that night, he looked at me and he, he said to me, he said, Raymond is Curly, you're Mo, and I'm Joe. Oh, tonight, this afternoon, Joe's gone. Curly and Mo still left behind. He explained to me why he said that. But one of the things that always lingered in my mind, Lord, if, if I would have took out more time. I'm sure tonight, this afternoon, all of you inside here have that thought in your mind, if, if, if. But you know what? If looks back, asks all questions that cannot be answered. There is nothing we could have done to prevent Greg's death. We must realize that God is in control and he does all things right. And we must just accept it from God. Don't you think God know what he's doing to take Greg's life? If is also a selfish word. It thinks about self. The relationship that I am losing with my dear husband, with my father, with my friend, with my brother, with my uncle, with my aunt. And all we do is think about self. It reminds me if is like looking in the mirror and all we do, all we see is self. But what we need this afternoon, we need to look through the window. And we, need, and we need to see God. Why God allowed this to happen. We should just bow down and thank God and praise him for the life that he's blessed with us. So all of us, like Mary, like martyr, they cried, Lord, if you've been here, our brother would not have died. But that is not so. The other word that I want to bring to you is the word Lord. Lord is a word that heals. And what all of us need today is 
healing from the Lord. He, we need to ask him to heal our broken hearts. We need to ask him to bring peace within. The days ahead, I know it's going to be hard. But there's one person that you can call on when you can't call on Brother Greg, when you call, can't call on Brother Raymond, when you can't call on Brother Aaron, when you can't, can't call on Brother Garland, you can call upon the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And why do I ask you to call upon the name of the Lord? The reason I'm telling you this afternoon to, to call upon the name of the Lord, first of all, God is a God of love. The Lord is a Lord of love. The scripture says he loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. He loved Martha. And you know what? He loves you too. His love is there for you too. We see his love demonstrated in John chapter 11 and verse 35 when he went to the grave of Lazarus. We see Jesus weeping. When we think on the life of Greg, it's okay to weep. You know why? It's demonstrating our love for him. Yes, we're going to miss him. But I want you to know that your Lord loves you too. When he wept there over the, at the grave of Lazarus, we see the following words, the Jews, therefore, seeing him weeping, what did they say? Behold how he loved him. And I was weeping today. Yes, we love Greg. But I'm telling you, take your mind off of Greg. Put your mind on the Lord. Behold how he loved him. And you know what? The Lord loves you too. Not only the Lord is the Lord of love, but he's the Lord of life. He said, I am the resurrection. I'm the life. He that believed in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believed in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe the Lord is also the Lord of life? Do you believe that? Listen. He said unto Saul while he's on the road to Damascus. When that great light shone round about him. When Saul fell on his knees, what Saul said, Lord, what would you have me to do? When that Philippian jailer saw that the, the prison was open and he realized that all that he worked for and all that he's done to protect those prisons, they were gone. He was about to kill himself. He's about to take his life. And he heard a voice crying from that prison, do thyself no harm. He came trembling. And he bowed down before 
Paul and Silas and say, Saul, what must I do to be saved? You know what he, Paul said? Believe on who? The Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. There might be some in our midst here today, as they reflect upon the life that God has given to you to enjoy. He's saying to you too, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You might say to yourself, I've been wild as a man could be. I've traveled the rough roads of sin. I can't be saved. Well, let me tell you something. There was a thief on the cross beside Jesus. That thief said to Jesus, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. You know what that thief did? You know what that thief did? What Jesus said to the thief? Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. In other words, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Listen, call upon the name of the Lord. The third thing I want to bring to you about the Lord, he's the Lord of glory. And this is the part that gripped my heart and comforted my heart when I looked at voice one. When Jesus heard that he was sick, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God might be seen thereby. Then we go to verse 41. Jesus said unto her, if thou only believe, thou, if thou only believe, thou shalt see the glory of God. Oh, this afternoon, in the life of Brother Greg, that you saw, that you witnessed, that you experienced, don't look at Brother Greg's life, but look at the glory of God through Brother Greg's life. That's what it's all about. It's not about Greg. It is about the glory of God. And that's why when I first opened, I said to you, close your eyes and give God thanks for the blessings that God has put in your life, in your life through the life of Brother Greg. But you know what? Today, Brother Greg's in glory. Today, Brother Greg's is in glory. Brother Greg is with his Lord. Brother Greg can't come to us, but we could go to him. I said, Brother Greg can't come to us, but we can go to him. If you want to see him again, I remember one song goes like this, how far is heaven? Whence can I go to see my daddy? He's there, I know. How far is heaven? Let's go tonight. I want my daddy. I want my brother. I want my uncle. I want my aunt, my, my, my friend to hold me tight. Greg's spirit is in glory. You know what he's doing? Sitting down watching over us. And he's saying to them, he said, Brother Aaron, tell them. Tell them about my Lord. Tell them how he died on Calvary's cross for his sins. Tell them that they might feel like they're hurting, but I want them to remember God hurt her too. 
when he took his only begotten son and he stretched him high and wide on Calvary's cross. And when he heard that cry come from heaven, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because of me and it's because of you, not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. You know what? God commanded his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that a wonderful Savior? Isn't that a wonderful Lord? Isn't that one that we can, we can call on? You can say tonight, this afternoon, the Lord is my shepherd. You shall not want. If he guided you and took care of you all these years, and he took care of the trees and the lilies and the birds and the animals, how much more he's going to take care of you who are shaped in his image and shaped in his likeness. Brother Greg says, go on. His work on earth is done. Just like Jesus' work on earth is done. Unfortunately, me and your work on earth is not done. There is still more work that the Lord has for us to do. So let us prepare our minds. Let us prepare our hearts. Not to do a work for myself. But the work that God has for us to do. You know what Greg says to, this, to you this, this day? If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved. You know what he said? I have a home. And my home is in glory. And his desire that each, all of us, all of our friends, all of you who said all the nice things about it, be there too. He says, when all of my labors and trials are over, Greg's labors and trials are over, he's safe where? On that beautiful shore. Just to be near the dear Lord, I'll adore with three ages. Be glory for me. Listen, folks, listen, friends. One of the things that you can do, just call upon the name of the Lord. When you're going through your trouble, when you're going through your hurt, you know God knows you're going through hurt. God knows you're going through trouble. He sees, he's watching. And you know what? He wants to be a shepherd. He wants to be a friend. He's going to guide you. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. Because in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I've gone to prepare a place for you. So as we, this afternoon, celebrate Brother Greg's life, let's cheer up. Let's praise God. Let's thank God. Let's stop asking the ifs. Because we can't change it. Let's start crying unto the Lord. And ask the Lord to help us. Through the days ahead. Help us through these difficult moments. Help us with our struggle. But more importantly. Help us to do thy work. May God bless his word.
I'd like to this time as we sing the closing hymn, Because He Lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds a future, and life is worth the living just because He lives. Once again, I'll ask for the congregation to stand. The immediate family can remain seated. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, 
We now come to a close of this service. We know that we've heard much about our brother Greg. We know we've heard about his testimony here in this world. We heard about how he walked the talk. We know that he spoke of you verbally and he spoke of you and the way he lived his life. And we have been so proud and privileged in his name this, this afternoon to tell forth of your saving grace and power. To tell how you would give your only son, send him into this world to die in Brother Greg's place. To die in my place. To die in the place of each and every one who would accept that free gift. Oh, we know that this afternoon, as we've heard, that our brother Greg will joy in having a reunion in heaven. And joy in knowing that each and every one here this afternoon will be there, that reunion. Oh, we just trust for souls to be saved today. We trust that because of the death of our dear friend, our dear brother, that some soul or souls today can be led to Christ. Now we would pray as we would leave this place. We pray, continue to pray for the family. We pray that we continue to give them comfort. And as we go to the graveside, that there too, that you would guide, comfort, and direct. And we pray as we go on in this life, and as we go on without Greg, we just pray that you would give us the comfort and guidance that we need. So we now commend ourselves entirely to thy care as we give you thanks in thy holy and thy spotless name, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. On behalf of the family, once again, I'd like to thank you for coming and sharing this time with them.